0: Today's episode of Death, Dying, and Other Things is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash deathdyingpod. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Today's episode of Death, Dying, and Other Things is also brought to you by BarkBox.com. Get one free extra month of BarkBox at getbarkbox.com deathdyingpod You're listening to the Modern Horrors Podcast Network. Just a quick shout out to Daniel Smith for supporting the show on Patreon. It means a lot. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash death, dying, and other things. Any little bit helps. Now, on to the show. I've been in maybe five fender benders in my life. One of them was just so embarrassing for me. This was maybe 13 years ago. I don't remember exactly. I was in Tucson at college, and I was just about to make a left turn onto a one-way street downtown. I creeped forward into the intersection and stopped just in time to avoid the traffic coming down the one-way. I panicked, threw my car into reverse, and backed up several feet right into someone behind me in the turn lane. There was no damage except for a ding in her vanity plate, but I still felt so stupid. I was trying to explain, trying to apologize when a passing police officer stopped to see what was going on. The lady whose car I hit? Man, I can't even remember anything about her. I don't remember her face. I don't remember what kind of car she was driving. What I do remember was the face of the cop when the woman explained what I had done. The look he gave me blew a hole in my gut. I don't think I've ever felt as small as I did in that moment in the years since. All over a little moment of panic on a busy road. This month on Death, Dying, and Other Things, a story about an accident and its aftermath. In Freak Accident, a boy loses his two front teeth. dying, the thresholds between this world and the next, the boundary between light and dark, the barrier between worlds, and that's where we're going. We're going into the shadows to bring you stories of horror and heartbreak. From the Modern Horrors Podcast Network, this is Death, Dying, and Other Things. I'm Justin Buskey. Stay with us. two front teeth knocked out by a headbutt when I was twelve. It was on the soccer field. A player on the opposite team went up for a header at the same time I did. We both missed, and the top of his head plowed into my mouth. It was a freak accident. No way to avoid it. My two front teeth shot to the back of my throat. The blood poured out of my lips and gums and lubricated my mouth and the teeth slipped down into my stomach, never to be seen again. The kid whose head clobbered the chompers out of my face looked down at me, flat on my back, blood pouring out of my mouth, and started crying before I even had a chance to process what had happened and how much pain I was in. When I sat up, put my hands to my mouth and saw the blood, and then ran my tongue around my mouth and found the new gaps, I started crying too. I was helped off the field by my coach and my dad. We drove to the dentist and in the back seat I was able to get my crying under control. I had been given one of the ice packs from the cooler that held our post-game snacks and was pressing that flatly against my mouth in some vague gesture toward bringing the swelling down. And my lips and cheeks had swelled. They were, estimating here, nearly double the size they should have been. I looked like a chipmunk who had forgotten how to hold seeds in his cheeks and was just shoving them between their teeth and lips. The dentist stopped the bleeding and prepared me for fake teeth. In the meantime, I'd have to live without them. How long? My dad asked. About a month, the dentist said. He'll need to come back a couple times for some minor surgeries. What kind of surgeries, my mom asked, craning her neck near the door. Well, we'll need to put in some screws, drill into the bone a bit, and then that has to heal before we can install the new ones. Can you handle a month, bud? My dad asked, turning to me. I nodded, still in a bit of pain, still raw from the sobbing. I ran my tongue over my teeth again, digging into the two pits that once held my teeth. I winced. Dentist noticed. And you can't do that, he said, ribbing me a bit. Gotta let it heal. Can he eat normally? My mom asked. Oh, sure. For today, give him liquid foods, but starting tomorrow, it should be fine. This line of questioning caused me to remember the teeth themselves, and I blurted out Can you get my teeth back? The ones in your stomach? the dentist asked me. I nodded. He laughed. No, I'm sorry. They're in there and they'll come out eventually, but you won't even notice. How are they going to come out, I said, trailing off, imagining the teeth sprouting legs and arms and somehow climbing out. You'll poop them out, bud, my dad said. Oh, I said, but that just raised more questions. That night, for dinner, my mom made me a milkshake despite my dad's protesting. He deserves it, she said, and there wasn't much he could say to dispute that. I had been through hell that day. At least, I felt like I had been through hell, and I wasn't supposed to eat solid food yet, so it made perfect sense. My dad gave me a painkiller before laying me down to bed. It had been nearly nine hours since the incident, but my lips were still swollen and my gums still hurt. Is it a little hot in here? my dad asked. He knew i liked it to be pretty cool while i slept and i nodded in agreement he opened my window for me let some of that cool spring nighttime air in here the fresh air will be good for you anyway he said okay but if it gets too cold in here you promise me you'll shut the window all right don't need you getting sick on top of this tooth thing my mom said i promised my parents said good night turned off the light and shut the door to my room. I laid awake for a while, shoving my tongue into the gaps in my teeth, just like I wasn't supposed to, and staring up at the ceiling, before gently dozing off. I had a strange dream that night. I woke up staring at the ceiling. The trees were still rustling outside my window, but I heard something else beneath the leaves A voice was worming its way in alongside the tinkling trees. I looked over to the open window, where I saw a man's face staring at me. It was in miniature, perhaps no larger than a baseball. His head swayed side to side, his eyes locked on mine. His mouth was moving, but I didn't recognize any of the sounds coming from his throat. My stomach began to hurt like a small pin pressing outward through my guts. I curled up involuntarily as this man's murmurs assaulted my ears. And then I woke up once again, in my bed, and only heard the leaves outside. I was on the couch the next night with my parents, playing with something or other while they watched television, when I got a sharp pain in my stomach just below my ribs. It was minor, at first, ignorable, and so I did. But it built, slowly, over the course of twenty minutes or so. First, like a pin pressing into my belly button, then like a knife sliding into my guts just below my ribs. Finally, like something grinding me up on the inside, like my insides were being chewed up by a meat grinder. I moaned and clutched at my abdomen. Ugh... What's wrong, sweetie? my mom asked. It hurts, I said. What does? My stomach, I said. I think, I think I can feel the teeth in there. What? my mom asked. You can't feel the teeth in there, my dad said. George, my mom said, scolding my dad for dismissing me straight off. What? he said in response. There's no way he can feel his teeth in his stomach. There's no way you can feel your teeth in your stomach, bud. It's been more than a day since you swallowed them. They're far past your stomach at this point. Ugh, I moaned. Really? Yes, my dad said. It's probably some gas pains, or you ate too much, my mom explained to me. See if you can go to the bathroom. I headed to the bathroom. I knew I didn't need to go. I snarled at myself in the mirror, looking at the gap in my smile. I drank some water, trying to calm my stomach, and when that didn't work, I curled up on the bathroom floor for a while. Several minutes later, my mom knocked on the door. Are you doing all right in there? I got up off the floor and opened the door and looked up at her and shook my head. All right, kid, she said, putting her hand against my forehead. Let's get you into bed. My mom tucked me in, and my dad said goodnight and turned off the light in my room. When they closed the door behind them, I rolled over and hugged my knees to my chest. This position seemed to be the only one that relieved even the slightest bit of pain in my stomach. I breathed in slowly through my nose and shut my eyes and tried to sleep. I heard the wind rustling the trees outside my window and opened my eyes to watch them sway in the breeze. The sun was just setting, and the dusk sunlight reflecting off the fresh spring leaves turned them a brilliant orange. I noticed, then, that the screen on the outside of the window was askew. I crawled out of bed. Standing up, I received another sharp stab in my abdomen just below my stomach. Hunching over slightly helped a little, so I hobbled over to the window. Somehow, the screen had been knocked loose, and one of the corners was bowed out about six inches. I pulled it back in and slotted it into place, hoping no bugs had been able to get past it in the meantime. I wondered how long it had been like this, as I walked back to bed and curled up under the covers. I shut my eyes again, and drifted off listening to the rustling leaves. I couldn't tell what time it was when I woke up to more sharp pains in my stomach. It was dark outside. The wind had stopped. Listening hard, I couldn't hear anyone up in the house. I stretched out, releasing my knees and pushing my feet toward the foot of the bed. I had to do this slowly to avoid any more searing pain, but once I did, I was glad. Stretching out my stomach, now, helped a lot. I took a couple of deep breaths in and closed my eyes again, hoping to drift back off to sleep, and my blood ran cold. I held my breath to make sure I was hearing what I thought I was hearing. Soft muttering. A voice, hushed and hurried, somewhere in my room. I couldn't make out what was being said. I laid still, eyes wide and staring at the ceiling. The voice grew in urgency and in volume, but I didn't recognize any of the words being said. A delicate blue glow built in the room, spilling out from somewhere nearby, probably under the bed. Shadows cast along the walls, thin blades of darkness passing over this alien light. I whimpered and clutched the blankets to my face and then both the voice and the glow stopped. I held my breath, tried to remain quiet. Then something impacted my stomach, or felt like it, felt like I had been punched in the gut. I gasped for breath, had trouble as though the wind had been knocked out of me. My guts felt on fire like they were being ripped apart on the inside. I threw my blankets off and hurried out of bed. When my feet hit the floor, all the muscles in my abdomen contracted at once, and I fell to my knees. I looked back toward my bed in time to see something, something slight and wiry, pull back beneath my bed into the darkness beyond my ability to see. I jumped back up, ran out of my room and into the bathroom where I curled up on the floor and fell asleep. My mother found me there the next morning. What are you doing, sweetie? She asked as she nudged me awake. I didn't feel good, I said. Oh, I hope you don't have the flu, she said, stroking my forehead. Let's get you something to eat. She helped me to my feet, and then to the kitchen table, where she poured me a glass of iced tea and made me a bowl of unflavored oatmeal. I sipped the tea and nibbled on the oatmeal, but when all was said and done, I only managed to eat about a fourth of each. She looked over at me, passed her eggs and coffee. All right, we're going to keep you home today, she said. I clutched my stomach, still in a considerable amount of pain. And if you're not better tomorrow morning, or you'll get any worse, I'm taking you to Dr. Bradley. Go get your blanket and pillow and lay on the couch. I'll put a movie on for you, okay? I smiled, meekly, and she smiled back, and I headed to my room. I stopped just inside my bedroom door, Looking over at my bed, my stomach sank, and then flipped. I got slightly nauseous. I dropped to my hands and knees and got a good look underneath my bed. There was nothing there, nothing obvious anyway, nothing I could see. I thought that perhaps I had imagined last night's events, or dreamed them. I hurried back to my feet, ripped the blanket and pillow off of my bed and took them out into the living room. I spent the day on the couch until my dad got home from work. My parents ate dinner, and my mom gave me two slices of buttered toast to eat on the couch while I finished the third movie of the day. I ate half of one of the slices of bread. After they'd eaten dinner, my dad came to check on me. And when my mom said that I wasn't any worse, they decided to wait it out until morning. Hopefully, with a good night's sleep, this stomach issue would resolve itself. My dad picked me off off the couch, my mom grabbed my pillow and blanket, and they carried me to my room and put me to bed. I drifted off very easily that night. The sound of the breeze and the trees outside lulled me quicker than it ever had before. The cool spring air blowing in through the open window caressed my face, and my stomach felt better by all measure. I woke up to such pressure in my guts that it felt as though my abdomen may rip open. It felt like a bowling ball was somehow lodged in my stomach just below my rib cage. I tried to cry out, but I could barely draw breath into my crowded body. I ripped the blankets off of myself, made a move to get out of bed, and saw that the gentle blue glow had returned, and with it the voice mumbling nonsense. I stopped short of putting my feet on the carpeted floor, but then the glow faded and the voice stopped. I gasped for breath as quietly as I could, focusing on the sounds of my silent room, listening for anything amiss. There was nothing. I felt as if something might force its way up my throat, and I wanted to avoid that happening in my bed. I resolved myself to get to the bathroom, placed my feet on the floor, and made it two steps before I collapsed from pain. I heard the voice speak, again, behind me. I clawed around the carpet, turning to face the underside of my bed, but unable to break the darkness with my eyes. The voice again fell silent, and then I heard a raspy whoosh, as though something or someone let out a long breath. My nose, moments later, was assaulted with a nasty stench something that reminded me of spoiled milk and moldy cheese and mud and cut grass. I tried to cover my nose, prevent myself from smelling any more of that awful fragrance, but it had burrowed its way into my nose and made its home there. It became inescapable. My stomach turned sour and my mouth flushed with acrid bile. I tried to keep it down, tried to hold myself together and avoid vomiting right there on the floor, but another whiff of that stench made it impossible. I closed my eyes, felt my stomach painfully contract, and threw my head forward. My throat could barely contain it. It strained against the massive quantities of puke being forced up into my mouth. It felt like broken glass scraping and cutting its way through my esophagus. Again and again my guts contracted, pumping this vicious, heavy substance out of my stomach. Passing over my tongue, it felt impossibly thick, nearly solid, like wet sand or gravel even. My stomach acids slid over my taste buds, triggering more retching. I tasted blood, too, metallic tang mixed in with the putrid acid. As the first bits of horror finally left my mouth, I heard it plop onto the ground, and with each wretch, it piled up in front of me, its own awful smell mixing with the stink of spoiled milk and moldy cheese and mud and cut grass, reinforcing the feedback loop and sending my body into overdrive, expelling whatever it could onto the carpet in front of me. I lost track of time. My mind clouded from the absolute unpleasantness of puking for God knows how long. When the last of it finally fell from my mouth, I gasped for breath, whimpered, and sobbed. Tears forced their way out of my vice-gripped eyelids. I spit onto the carpet, trying desperately to rid my taste buds of the disgusting aftertaste. My room was silent except for my heavy breathing and a soft, nearby sound I couldn't quite place, like leaves crunching underfoot or a potato chip fracturing between your teeth. When I had finally caught my breath, I opened my eyes. The scene was blurry at first. Large tears clinged to my eyeballs and eyelashes, obscuring my vision until everything I could see was a dark smear. I blinked several times, and then wiped as many of the tears away as I could with the tips of my fingers, and then was left to face the disgusting scene. The pile in front of me, the puke I had spent so long expelling from my body, was bright white and streaked with red. I couldn't understand it at first, but on a closer look, the reality became clear. Piled in front of me were hundreds, maybe thousands, of teeth. Front teeth, exactly like the ones I had swallowed, and mixed in with the teeth, blood. Blood from deep in my stomach, or from the countless scratches that now ravaged my throat and mouth. I gasped, where did these teeth come from, what were they doing in my belly? Then, my attention turned to that gentle, crunching noise. I gazed past the top of the mountain of teeth toward the underside of my bed. There, something small and thin snaked out toward me, toward my recently vomited chunks of white bone. It was gray, mottled, ashen, covered in wrinkles. I tried to discern where it led to under my bed. If it was attached to something. But I couldn't tell. With my eyes I followed the limb across the carpet back toward me and the teeth. The thing terminated at the pile, terminated in a terrible sight, ended in a horrible human head no bigger than an adult's fist. Its eyes looked up at me as it lolled from one side to another, laying limply against the ground and using a flat tongue to shovel teeth and blood into its mouth. Then it chewed them, crunched them down, and swallowed them into the thing's loathsome neck. I screamed. This startled it. The neck and head retracted under the bed, and a moment later a shape the size of a raccoon with many thin, bony legs shot out from the other side crawled up the wall and escaped out of my open window. My parents, several seconds later, came into my room and flipped on the light. My mother took one look at the pile of white and red in front of me and screamed, Oh my God, while scooping me up into her arms. We headed for the hospital. My dad collected all of the hundreds of teeth and put them in a plastic container. At the hospital, they could find nothing wrong with me beside my lacerated throat. No one had any idea where the teeth could have come from. This episode of Death Bang and Other Things was produced and edited by me, Justin Buske. The story, Freak Accident, was written by me too. You can follow me on Twitter at Justin Buskey. Intro and outro music is by the prolific Eric Warnke. Check him out on SoundCloud. Special thanks to Soccer and a permanent team. Death, Dying, and Other Things is a member of the Modern Horrors Podcast Network. The other shows are fantastic. You should check them out. New episodes the second Thursday of every month. This has been Death, Dying, and Other Things. And I've been your host, Justin Busty. Stay out of the shadows.